Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy and abundance. Join the tinkling talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nickel. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy Songs in the Key of Laughs. Yes! It's Songs in the Key of Laughs, episode two of the second series, which is pretty cool, actually. It's very cool, Phil. Uh, well, I'm happy that we're still doing it, David, and we hope that you listeners are. Last week, we had the amazing Adam Buxton. Ah, uh, I, I do love that man. What a great interview. I know. Yeah, he could tell. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, sorry about that. Uh, he definitely could. Yes. On today's episode, we got the um, the world. Well, the world's messed up, David. But it is our, our show today is going to take in traveling, take in um, music from other countries, take in gibberish. Maybe uh, maybe how music itself is a language, the language that soothes the wild beast. Ah, oh, that's that's so nice. What else on the show? Uh, well, we've got the comedy song con. Petition contest. You nearly, Competition. Said, you nearly blew it. I always. We did. have a dazzling new track. This very very funny track that you can listen to coming up. Um, We're also writing a musical, aren't we, Phil? <laughs> yeah, we did. We started writing a musical last week, and oh, it was a doozy. Hey, oh, doozy. <laughs> There's that word again. I Phil. just like the word doozy. I know you like the word doozy. Doozy is a doozy of a word, and our amazing, fantastic, superbus, superbus. Superbus guest this she, week. She was so superbus. She was superbus. She was the superbest. <laughs> it's wonderful. Izzy City. The chords were quite jaunty, but he just spoke, I think. It wasn't sung. The chorus was, I don't like you, Jerry. <laughs> I don't like you at all. <laughs> something about, um, I just want to play with my ball. Um, now, so we are... Songs in the Key of Laugh, and the point of the Songs in the Key of Laugh is to kind of try to discover how music and laughter are good things. <laughs> <laughs> right? They are good things. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are good things. They are good things. I mean, and together, combine them, they're amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's just such a strong link into the beginning of this section of the show, Phil. Well, songs in the key of laugh is is good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Songs in the key of laugh to laugh and to sing. What a great thing! But the thing is, we're not. We just. I often think of songs, funny songs, being because comedy is so inherent in the um, English language that you know the that the words are very important. But but there is more to comedy than just the words. Of course there's more to comedy than just the words. Mr. Bean, for instance. Oh, my goodness. He doesn't have to say very much. He doesn't have to... But do, oh, do you know something about Mr. Bean? No. Right. So you know the title music? Yeah. Um, uh, how does it go? Um, I don't know.
Okay, so so Phil, this yes. is a test of your Latin. Okay. Right. Um, uh, ecce homo. What does that mean? Ecce homo? Yeah. Etch meaning draw man? Uh, Behold. Behold man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And then, uh, qui est faber? Qui est... He is... Faber. Bean? Yeah. (laughs) He is a bean. He is a bean. Behold the man. He He is is a a bean. bean. That is what that music is that's what they're saying oh right did did mr bean write that i don't know if he wrote that but i'm i mean it's it's pretty amazing isn't it it starts off with this beautiful beautiful choral sound and all they're saying is behold the man he is a bean well that was all greek to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean languages are strange Lauren, because they can sound if you don't know the language they can sound quite amusing you know, like if you like, they have a they have a musical. Like Italian has a musical lilt to it. Yeah, you know, yeah, and like... and Japanese has a musical lilt to it. So they, these can or um, have you heard that track? Uh, what's 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 the guy's name? Um, Adriana Salentra, Salentano, and he did he created in the nineteen seventies. He created a a track in Italian. Uh, that was using gibberish. It was like a fake American English because he wanted to prove that Italians would buy anything that was American, and that song became a huge hit. Have you heard that? It, I think it's. I think it's called. Like, it's got like some some long, the prison prison essen quincy quasi lossal. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Wait, wait a minute. So everything that he's saying is completed utter gibberish. Yeah, it's it's he he's written a form of American English to try and sell a songs. Like his idea was Italians will buy anything that's American, and he was proven correct because he wrote a song in American gibberish that was a huge hit. Oh my goodness! And I kind of I kind of like the idea of writing gibberish songs, and I so I've I've written a few. In gibberish, like I was in, I was I was in um, Amsterdam at Gay Pride, and uh, we were sitting in this nightclub drinking beers and whatever. And I heard a song that I've since written a gibberish version of, and it sounded like what, what can only be described as Norwegian trip hop. Okay. <laughs> I actually did this song in at Latter in Oslo and they went, That's not Norwegian. I went, That's the point! That's the whole point. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean I I like writing a foreign language like i think i find foreign language songs so interesting though and um, there's like in the sound of music there's um you know 
farewell, adieu, Alvida, saying goodbye. So long, farewell, Alvida, saying goodbye. Or when you grow, when you when you're studying French at school, you learn Frère Jacques. Like there's, you know, there these things are sort of we do know them. I wonder if I'm in fact when I was in. I was in India doing a, a show at the comedy store in India and Dave Jones was doing a routine about James Bond being Indian and he was actually doing, J David was doing the accent going, you know, uh, my name is Bond, James Bond, right? And and the audience was killing themselves. It, was, it, didn't, it didn't come across as being racist in any way. It wasn't, that wasn't the idea of it. But I said to one of the Indian comedians backstage, that, does that sound weird to you? Like he goes, well, he said it would be the same as me going on stage in England and going... Hello, how are you? <laughs> My news. And just doing some really weird gibberish version of English because it doesn't sound what David's doing doesn't sound like like an Indian accent to us. That's why we're all laughing so hard. I mean, David, as a musician, you've traveled far and wide, worldwide. I mean, my God, you run a charity in South Africa, a musical charity in South Africa. I do, yes. I run a charity called Sing in Changa, and we put music and arts education into township schools. Oh, we've, wow. we've taught, we've taught 13,000 children up to now. That's amazing. What's it called? It's called Sing in Changa. Well, I think everyone should donate some money to your charity, Sing in Changa. I think they should too. Yeah. Do you sing in... In, in Zulu. In Zulu. Yeah, there's 11 national languages wow. in South Africa. Okay. But um, yes, Zulu is, is the one that I've attempted. You actually sing in Zulu. That's amazing. I try to. Okay. I try to. Um, I've got a very good friend of mine who I've worked with for many, many years in South Africa yeah. and now in the UK. And uh, his name's Tarbo. Mm. And uh, during... Tarby. Tarbo. Like Jimmy Tarbo. No, definitely not. No. Uh, <laughs> Tarbo. We did lots of videos during the lockdown. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll play one of them here. We sing in English and in Zulu. What a beautiful day to go for lunch. But wait, wait, wasn't it a bit early? True. So we'll call it brunch. <laughs> a lovely day. Walk in the park. But Tarbo, what will you do when it gets dark? What about tonight? How are you gonna keep a good cheer? Gonna go to the pub and have some beer. Oh, just one beer. No, two beer. Or three or four. But if you're really thirsty. Really thirsty. Just because of the sun. Yeah, sun of course. Very warm. Uh. Yeah, just, just for that reason. Yep. Then you can have some more. Now, just while we're on the subject of Zulu, um, I had a really good conversation with Tavo and we decided to do one of our videos based on The Lion King. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Is that in Zulu? Uh, well, some of it's some of it's written in Zulu, some of it's in Swahili. Oh right, Tim, um, Tim Rice wrote that. Tim right? Rice, Tim and Rice. Elton John, and, and Elton John. Yes, <laughs> I, although I don't, I, I doubt Elton John speaks Swahili. I very much doubt oh, yeah, it. He might. He might. I mean, he probably talks dirty to David Furnish. Ooh, in Swahili. In Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> Why not in English? Uh, because it's sexier. <laughs> okay. Well, um... <laughs> sorry, The Lion King. <laughs> All right, back to The Lion King. Um, there was um. The, at the beginning, after the, nah, 
After this bit, the um, wonderful, amazing choir underneath um, sing uh, And that actually translates as uh, the king, the spotted leopard. The king, the spotted leopard. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Instead of it being, this is what, this is Tarbo. So Tarbo, who will listen to this, Tarbo, I'm hoping this is correct. But you've told me that it means the king, the spotted leopard. Well, that's exactly what David Furnish would say to Elton John. (laughs) I could talk about this stuff all day because I'm a little bit obsessed with odd foreign language music, like weird stuff. Like the, what's that Japanese band? The Mahir Shalal uh, Hash Bez. And they're like, you have not listened to it. So like, well, there is some English song, songs in it, but some mainly in Japanese. But this guy, um, oh, what's his name? It's uh, it's uh, Tori Kudo. He was this Japanese composer who believed that the mistake, you know how Japanese artists could draw circles to make perfect circles. They spent their whole lives trying to draw a perfect circle freehand. He just had this idea that imperfections is what made human beings perfect. And so, for instance, he would get like a, a full orchestra to be the backing band, but he wouldn't let them tune to each other. They'd have to tune to themselves. No. So so they were all good musicians. So they'd get, they'd get it relatively close. So then, and then they'd bring in the room and they'd, then they'd record. And it, it's, 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 it's cacophonic. It's cacophonic. It's cacophonic, <laughs> but it also works. I just, I, I just like those kind of weird. It makes me laugh. So I guess it is in a sense. That, that would make me going. cry. One of my favorite. Oh, one of my favorite all time. My, well, actually, I think maybe my favorite comedy song is in Dutch. Right. It's called "One Day Fly." One day, one day fly, one day fly. And it was written by the the Kopspikers, which is this television show of all these comedians. And they did it with George Baker, the guy that was made the song Little Green Bag, Little Green Bag famous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And From they the songs, that movie. And the song is about being a one-hit wonder. And it's yeah. a comedy song. And it was a one-hit. It went to number one. And, and I was there in... in uh, the Netherlands, the year that it came out, and you couldn't get away from it. One day, I'm going to be singing that, that all day. That, that, how catchy is that? One, one day fly, fly. One day fly. I wonder, wonder why I'm just a... Huh, huh, one day fly. fly. I could not stop singing it. And my Dutch friends go nuts because every time I see one of them, I put it on and go, I hate that! Because it, <laughs> it was just played everywhere that summer. It's time for the comedy song contest. Competition. Contest. No, it's a competition. Uh, I did not do that. I did not do that. You did. It's It's a a competition. Okay. It's a contest. It's a competition. You're not competing against anyone. But we have a... But there is a prize. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your entries and submissions coming in. This is heating up to be going to be quite a contest. It is, absolutely. Quite a competition. (laughs) Um, So uh, who have we got this week, Phil? We've got Danny Malone. Danny Malone. Danny Malone. He's oh. singing the ballad of Derek and Dorothy. Derek loves Dorothy. Dorothy loves Derek. Derek and Dorothy. 
sorry feet, they're in love. Dorothy thinks Derek is boring. Derek thinks Dorothy's uncaring. Derek and Dorothy, they're in love. He works long hours as an accountant. She always jokes he's a man you can count on. Derek stopped laughing at that joke a long time ago. Her friends say, don't you worry when he's working late. Be looking at figures out on a date. She says, what? My Derek? Who else would have him? <laughs> but recently her suspicions have grown. He's changed, become happy around the home. He's got a spring in his step and she knows she didn't put it there. Her mind starts to wonder, she tries to remember The last time they had sex, she thinks it's November 1994 She thinks back to that night, how we got all depressed Cause she'd laughed at him, while well, he got undressed It was a long time ago, and the last time that they made love well, this was not how she saw marriage going. He's out sowing oats. She's at home sowing. She's not having that. She gets the keys, gets in the car. It's a Monday night. He's at the office working. But where's my iPhone? Reveals that he's lying. His actual location is shown as a nightclub in town. So she gets in that club and downs a tequila Then scans round the room for the man who's deceived her The scarlet lady whose eyes she plans to gouge out The bar is havoc, completely heaving She thinks who gets this drunk on a Monday evening And it strikes her, oh yeah, it's you tonight and the DJ announces over the time I, Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time you've been waiting for You wanted him back, well here he is For you to enjoy So welcome on stage, officially the second best Male burlesque dancer in the northwest. Please go wild for Derek the Gladiator
In this series, we've decided to drop the quickfire parody game because it wasn't really working. Stand by bees. And uh, <laughs> I just like saying it. And actually, maybe that is probably the best one we've done. I, it, I sang it most... to my daughter this morning and she genuinely smiled at me. But I think it was pity. Yeah. Well, your daughter <laughs> is only three weeks old, so she doesn't have a lot to compare it to. Um, we're gonna, we, so we decided to write a musical. We're going to improvise a musical. If you listen to the series last episode, uh, episode one, we improvised the song. I think the songs will probably be in order. We'll try and yeah, make yeah, absolutely, work. yeah. Uh, the first story improvised ended up with David and I in a boat heading towards a monsoon. It was and very scary. What I did is I opened a dictionary, put my finger down, yep, and then we sing about whatever word it comes up. David starts improvises a progression a thing and and we go from there so i've got my dictionary you can hear that you do there. and you've yep. got your piano i i this is okay i'm, I'm gonna open the dictionary i'm gonna put my finger down and the word is juggle <laughs> <laughs> juggle okay juggle. juggler we'll go with juggler juggler we'll go with juggler, juggler. okay Straight to the juggler. Straight to the juggler. Okay. Okay. So, but we've got Phil and David are, are and their boat trying to escape a monsoon. So maybe we should have start this, end the scene with the big monsoon lights and sound spectacular. Okay. And then go into scene two. Okay. So we're starting with a big monsoon. Yeah. Okay. So. Something big. Something big. Um <laughs> <laughs> The mainland. <laughs> As I look out to sea, wondering where he may be, David, my love, where are you? Who are you looking for, dear? I don't know, Papa. <laughs> it's David. David, my heart I never liked that boy He looked like a horse <laughs> And he did nothing but juggle <laughs> There's no way that I'll let you marry David Why not marry Phil? <laughs> Cause I don't like Phil he burps and snores. He's horrible. <laughs> but David doesn't do anything but juggle. He's a juggler. He's a juggler. Oh, Papa, I want to marry a juggler. <laughs> How many babies can he keep in the air? 
not fair. I know, but someday you'll grow to understand that you should marry Phil. Cause he's got a job <laughs> working for financial services. <laughs> financial services. David! David, where, where, David, where are you? I, I, David, I can't see, man. Philip! What happened? What happened? What happened? David, David, what happened, David? Uh, uh, I, I think, oh my, I think we've been, we've been shipwrecked. What? Is this, is this a desert island? Can I just point out that's me playing piano at the end? <laughs> Not David. I mean, wow. So, there we go. They're on a desert island. Oh. Desert island dicks. <laughs> <laughs> if you like contests and you write songs, you're going to love our contest because it's a songwriting contest. It's a contest where you can put your song in the contest. It's the song is the key of laugh comedy song contest it's not a competition it's a contest 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 send your songs into songs the key of laugh at gmail.com it's time for our interview section oh yes and it's a really great one is it a doozy it is a doozy it is (laughs) izzy suti many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The guest on today's Our show guest. is someone you might know, you do. and if you don't, that's your own fault. But you'll know them soon. You boy, you will. This jingle has been personalized uh-huh. for a guest that we hope that you recognize. Uh-huh. And this week, their name is Insert Name Here. It's Izzy Suti. Oh, no. Izzy Suti, if you don't know, yeah, you should know, um, has, is a star of screen, uh, musical comedy star, uh, actor, a writer, a radio presenter, a r- r- radio s- comedy writer. You've done just about everything you can do in the industry. Are you a tap dancer? What else can you do? Actually, Izzy I can Suti? tap dance. No yeah, way. Yeah, like... <laughs> well, that's how this episode's going to end, everybody. So stick around for that. We'll get Ellis on guitar and <laughs> um, so what let's just let's get right down to brass tacks. Um Infinite Drift. Tell oh my us god. About... <laughs> Infinite Drift. Um, now... <laughs> me, Dave Lowe, 
James Taylor, not the James Taylor. Uh, he wasn't at Highfield School in Matlock did, in the nineties. Did, did, did um, James Taylor say that every time when he was asked? I think he had to. He had to. He, these guys were fantastic musicians, but uh, yeah, I think he had to be like, okay, yeah, I know I'm not the James Taylor, but um, we want, uh, we want, we once had went to we did a this is a digression. We went to um, do a prison show at Stockton Prison in Edinburgh, and the guy that was that was leading us through was Davy Manson. No relation. So anyway, that's... Might <laughs> have changed his name to Deepole, by Deepole to that. Anyway, so Infinite Drift, well, um, tell us about it. Uh, Infinite Drift was formed in um, 1992 at Highfields Comprehensive School in Matlock. It consisted of me, Dave Lowe, James Taylor... Not the real um, the, James Taylor. Not uh, Yes, sorry, it has to be the same, doesn't it, is the Manson thing. James Taylor, not the James Taylor. Um, and it had a lot of synth... A lot of organ, um, all our songs were long. Like, I think one of them was like 14 minutes long. Um, we did a lot of Pink Floyd covers and um, we did original songs as well. We, we did a song of mine called The Clock, um, Ooh, which I could that. send you after this if you like, and you can yes. play a bit of it. Ooh, um, I love that. very high it's about a clock uh it's, it's um, i remember the first line is you travel at a speed that no one can imitate Whoa. you tell people if they're early or if they're late what? <laughs> your little hands so, so definite in their stride your little face so lonely and full of pride oh, <laughs> you know when you're like a teenager and you write the you it's like you see angst in every object yes <laughs> it was do. like that because the because the also the hands of a clock go so slowly when you're a student you're just like yeah. that's as much you sitting there writing that yeah man this sums up what am i doing with my life yes yeah, so <laughs> how old true. were you 14 yeah about how, 14 and then yeah, we didn't do what, many gigs we did one gig at um, school. So I was at school with the lead singer from Gomez. Do you guys um, yeah, know that? Band? Gomez. Yeah. yeah. So the guy, Ben, who has the really gravelly voice, there are two singers actually, but the, Ben has the kind of Tom Waitsy yes, voice. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So he was two years above me at school and we did a gig uh, with him. He sang Sitting on the Dock of the Bay a cappella, just sitting on the edge of the stage. And everyone was like, oh my oh. God, his voice is amazing. And then we had to follow him and we were like, <laughs> playing. <laughs> we were like, okay, we don't want to follow him. He should be closing. <laughs> Even at that age, I had an idea of like, who should close the gig and who should be the support. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you, was there any sense of irony that you were singing a song about a clock as you, you were going on and on and on? And everyone's yeah. going, get, get Ben back on. Please, let's it end. It's been 45 minutes. We know about clocks. Um, and yeah, they were, do you know what? James Taylor and Dave Lowe, they're still doing music, both of them, and they were really, really great musicians. Great, And I, it, it was really good because I'd always just played guitar. And my mum was a pianist from uh, when I was a very young age and a church organist. So I'd sort of had the church organ in my life. But when I met Dave and James, that was the first time I'd um, experienced organ as a kind of cool instrument, if you know what I mean, rather than yeah. something I associated with church. So, yeah. So you started playing the guitar when you were... Yeah, so I started playing the guitar when I was about uh, 11 or 12. Um, I had played the piano and the violin previous to that but um the the guitar was the first instrument that i really loved and i did want to play the sax i really wanted to play the sax uh and 
mum said you'll need to play the clarinet first which I don't oh actually now I found out I don't know if that's true that's not true right well, it does it does help it right. does help but it's not it's definitely not integral well I think uh, that I, was her her reason for not I think she just thought I'm not having the sound of a saxophone in the house and she was like <laughs> uh you know you'll have to learn to play the clarinet first you don't want to do that so why don't you play the guitar <laughs> imagine the number of Scottish families going you're not playing the bagpipes <laughs> yeah oh my god in lockdown I was like because you know um, Phil and I have talked about this before but my dad was Scottish and Phil met um, my great auntie Margaret who's pa- she passed away during lockdown oh, but she was like so 98 you know she wow. nearly yeah and she hated the Queen so she would have hated to have got a the telegram letter. from the Queen yeah yeah um, but um, she was so brilliant and as you know Phil she just loved you so much oh, um, yes. your family are always very supportive of me yeah, and I think it's they, a Scottish. Can I maybe it's a Scottish connection? No, they, well, I like that. that I like that. There's that, but it's because you're brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, they wouldn't well, have come well. if you were like standing on stage going, "Hi, I'm <laughs> Phil." Um, oh my god, so, that's my new show. <laughs> actually, do you know what? Damn. You would make that funny. Hi, I could actually imagine you going, "Hi, I'm Phil." Um, so yeah, the, um, in lockdown, I was like. Okay, this is a chance for me to reevaluate my life. And having two young kids, it was pretty manic in the house and stuff. But also, I was like, those few moments of headspace that I got, I was like, what am I doing? Do I want to learn a new instrument? Because I've always wanted to get a 12 string guitar, and I will do that. And I think it would change my songwriting. Um, mm. And um, I just had this moment of like, I should learn the bagpipes. And I think it might have been to do with Auntie Margaret passing away and kind of go, you know, like reconnecting to that Scottish um, half of me. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I tweeted it. And then the, my, um, so Auntie Margaret's husband, my uncle George was the lone piper at the, uh, the tattoo, um, George Stoddart. Yeah. And he was involved in this um, piping shop on the Royal Mile, which is quite famous within Edinburgh. And then they tweeted me and they were like, we'll give you piping lessons. And I told them about George and and I still haven't followed it up. So actually this has reminded me, I think I would like to learn the bagpipes. So uh, you should learn the bagpipes. Yeah. Have you ever tried to play them? Either of um, you? My my brother Andrew had a small, do you play them David? No, I don't play them. I I have, I have an issue with, I'm really, I, this is a really unpopular thing that Uh-oh. I'm going to say. I re- I don't You're like talking them. to two Scottish oh, people. I know. Right? Yeah. I, I can't. I can't <laughs> hack them. I don't know what it is. Really, I, I, they're so, delightful. I, I I used to do this bit in uh, in shows where I would go, okay, this side of the audience, can you do this? And this side of the audience, can you do this? And then so they both do those do two notes at the same time, and on top of it, you go, and it sounds exactly like bagpipes. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I'm really sorry if we I've are, just disrespected both of us. Are shaking, both, yeah, both it, of us are shaking our heads. Both yeah, of us. I'm leaving this podcast. Leave oh, Zoom meeting. Please. Uh, just leave. <laughs> I'm change your name to David McTims just to David try. David McTims. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have I have tried to play them before. They're quite difficult to play just because um, I don't know if you've ever played the accordion. But yes, right. So moving the accordion to to make the air pass out of the instrument is is quite reasonably similar. That you've got to keep like a constant compression going. It's it's weird. Yes, so is fl- it a bit like patting bag. your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time? Because like, you have to like use that. your mouth and your arm. Yeah, no, I can see that. You start on a thing called a chanter, don't you? Is that yeah. is that right? Yeah. That it's a kind yeah, of um, quieter version. My brother Andrew played the chanter because the chanter is the the bit at the bottom you make the notes with. Yeah. The bit you blow into is actually just filling the bag up. 
So okay. the chanter is the beat. The pen- chanter okay. is the beat you play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, my brother was quite was quite good at actually. Yeah. Uh, but my dad would never let him actually get actual bagpipes. But if you play the chanter, I like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking my head again. I'm seeing the uh, the breakup of this brilliant <laughs> podcast. It's gonna. <laughs> this is the moment that the relationships come to an end. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, the thing about yeah. the thing about the bagpipes is you can. It's also the, well the the split reed instrument, which is a split reed, which um, comes from the the Galatian people. Like a, so, it's a Celtic instrument. It comes from the north of France, and it was used by um, goat herders to bring it. It made the noise that the goats would hear, and it bring the it would bring goats in because there's something in the in the noise, and so it was. It was adapted. So people think the bagpipes are a Scottish instrument. And I guess technically they are because they were they were created to make the noise louder uh, as a as a war sound. Um, but they actually were used as a go as a goat herding instrument. And you can hear that split reed uh, all over all over the north of France. Uh, people still um, goat herders still play them. So David, David's trivia. mouth has gone into a line. Like a, the, a child's other, drawing of a sad face, his mouth just sort of went. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing about the other thing about, I, I like about this is the Ulian pipes is just the the Irish version of it, which you don't blow into. You actually pump with your arm. It's got a softer sound. It's got a, it's more gentle sound. Oh, and yeah. I saw a band in Glastonbury once called the Widowmaker, and it was a woman uh, playing the Ulian pipes, and she had this beautiful singing voice, and a guy would playing drum and bass, a DJing drum oh, and bass, which I don't normally like. Yeah, but. The two of them together, the bass player, her playing the Ulian pipes, and a and a DJ, and she, oh, it's just it was magical. I that's actually, what, that's I, all you need to make drum and bass palatable. <laughs> <laughs> they should use it in clubs. David just went. The, I could just could see David's face. What could make drum and bass worse? Bagpipes. <laughs> I, was, I, I was going to say we listen to very different things when we go to festivals. Luckily, there is more than one tent. Um, okay, so, so so you'd like to learn how to play the bagpipes? I'm really sorry for offending anybody that likes that instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back that's, to the guitar, okay. then back to the Spanish but, piano. Yes, back, back, back to the guitar. So you you started learning started learning it. Sorry, was it eleven? You said yeah, about eleven. So yeah, Mum said you can't. Uh, she said don't do the sax. You'll have to learn the clarinet first, and then I don't quite remember. I think the guitar might have even been in a charity shop, or we'd acquired it somehow, maybe from a friend. So it was a big. My first guitar was like a very big, um, just unbranded guitar and then I got a Yamaha quite soon after that that was electroacoustic that was again very big and I had drum lessons and guitar lessons with a guy um, a brilliant musician called Dan Marriott who lived up the road and so I used to just go for like three or four hours on a Saturday morning and I'd have the lesson then we'd um he, he had a brother who was the year above me and I knew a lot of um, their friends as well. And we all just used to jam for like hours and it was like the best thing because I got the kind of I suppose the theoretical side of it first and then and then I used to sing in when we were jamming as well I used to um sing too and um I actually ended up going out with the younger brother Thomas um a few years later and uh, we spent this summer just uh, living in their house and we ate one meal a day which was like a fry up uh, we ate it at like 3pm and it was like piled like a mountain all this food I don't think it's very good for you to eat one massive meal a day but we were like 16 and we just used to play all day and we'd rotate they had a studio in their house um, and there were just loads of guitars a really good drum kit loads of mics 
and we just used to jam from like it was absolutely brilliant but for me having that um space just to mess about was fantastic no you know we were just all really encouraging of each other and we used to rotate around the instruments and it was fantastic I, I think that's really important um I, I I recently went to went to one of those I got invited uh, a studio I'd been working in they said oh by the way we have a jam here every every Wednesday night and I I wasn't really sure I run lots of jams around London I was like okay so it's probably going to be a bit like this a bit like this and I turned up and um i'd say that the like the level of level of musicianship maybe wasn't what i was really expecting but what you did have was just this completely free feeling in the room yeah. and everybody was just kind of swaying through the music and it was it was amazing to to just have to think of the sound rather than what what was coming out of your fingers and it it was it was so cool yeah that sounds brilliant like that it's a bit like like improv really isn't it and when you get that trust it's really exciting and it you know, you can afford to mess about and try something. It doesn't matter if it if it sounds shit. It, you know, no one's going to just move on to the next bit and try something else. I think it's it's really important, actually. And when I used to go to the jazz cafe on a Sunday morning as well, I, I loved it. I loved, I never dared to get up, but I saw some amazing musicians. I don't really play jazz, but I li- really like jazz. And um, yeah, it was it was brilliant. What was the, what's the name of the? I was just thinking about improv and jazz. Is and what's the name of the jazz? Um, is it Jarrett something? Jarrett Keith Jarrett. Keith Jarrett. And I remember hearing Keith Jarrett. And if you have if you've not heard it, he just basically would get up. He would we never play the same thing twice. And he would get. Yeah. And he's known for it. He would get up. So I'm, I'm right about yeah, this. Yeah, he never played the same and, chord. And never played the same thing. And he, he just so he would just let whatever was happening in his in the moment go. And there's yeah. some amazing stuff online. And I, and I read something about him. I think it's a quote by him, but the, um, paraphrasing it, he's basically saying that only by improvising like that do you find true moments of musicality. And I think what he meant was when you do hit those amazing moments where the whole band come together because they're all listening and it's you know it's improvised it's like that's when you're actually in tune and harmony whereas if you practice and you know where you're going to go and you hit those things well you've kind of practiced them and it's, it's yeah it's not the all, same buzz it's like being on stage you know when you like have that feeling you, when you improvise on stage verbally i mean not musically um and something happens in the room and you roll with it and the audience really feels like they're part of something spontaneous. It must be the same feeling. Um, and they don't come that often, do they? Those moments where it's like everyone's on exactly the same page at the right time, but it's so brilliant. We had we had a moment uh, recently. I asked I asked our producer, uh, James Hingley, yeah. uh, wonderful very, man. The handsome James Hingley. Not very not, handsome. The, not the real James Hingley. Um, so <laughs> James came along to one of the jams that I did. And James is a uh, is a really, really quite fine guitarist. He's just written in the chat, this is getting cut. Uh, <laughs> he's a fantastic guitarist. And at one point, everything had uh, kind of petered out to, and, and, and nobody really knew what they were doing. And I was like, I looked at James and he just ripped into this uh, wonderful little lick and we just, everything all just fell into place oh. and it's exactly exactly like that moment like, yeah there's the adrenaline i wanted there's that yeah and then uh. he brought out the bagpipes and, uh. it was just... <laughs> and david left yeah well um so um so what what kind of style of music would you say that you you played most then? um i don't know like folk maybe for what I, I never really thought about it i just always wrote I just wrote what came out, man. But I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, I, well, I, well, I want to make the bridge, though, because I think it's important that we make this bridge because it is songs in the key of laugh. What was the first comedy song that you wrote? What okay. Was, you... Well, I started off 
writing love songs, I think they were tongue in cheek, really. Like, so I would like if I fancied a guy or my friend fancied a guy, I'd write um, a love song for the guy. And they were, you know, they were a bit silly, but they were also supposed to make the guys fall in love with us, which didn't happen. (laughs) Um, And then around that time, I also wrote a song. And I think this is probably the first comedy song called I've Had an Eventful Day. And it was sung in a Cockney accent. And I I was probably only about 12, I think. And um, I obviously didn't know at that point that I would end up using accents quite a lot in my songs. So I do, don't I? I sort of put on men's voices and do... um, I am a woman, so either use my own voice or a higher voice for the women's part. Um, But it was a bit of a revelation in Edinburgh when I discovered that I could essentially duet with myself. By I remember going like, how the hell am I going to tell this story over an hour, which involves a relationship between a man and a woman who aren't me? And then my boyfriend at the time was like, you just just do a different voice with a bloke. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. And then I thought, actually, I sort of have been doing that since I was a teenager, but I'd never done two different voices within a song. So the first song was... um, yeah, I've had an eventful day and it was a Cockney accent. Well, it was from the point of view of a man who lay in bed all day and um, didn't do anything. And then when people said, what have you done? He just said, oh, oh, I've had an eventful day. And it was quite <laughs> deadpan. At that point, I wouldn't have done that kind of song at a gig. So the gigs that I was doing, which I was doing from quite a young age in various bands, including Infinite Drift. But my first band was Izzy Sutty and the Muppets, which was with the group Amazing. that I talked Yeah. <laughs> um, the group that I talked about before, um, the two brothers and a, couple, a few other guys, um, most of whom are still doing music for a living. Um, uh we, we 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 were like, I only did serious songs in the bands. The idea of doing something like I've had an eventful day was unthinkable because at that point I thought I either wanted to be an actress or a serious musician. It didn't cross. Well, I didn't really watch stand up. I didn't really understand that that was a job. Um, so the songs that we did on stage in the bands were things like The Clock or things about like just really like angsty stuff, you know, serious stuff. And it wasn't until I went to college when I was 19 that I performed a comedy song on stage, although I'd kind of been writing them on and off. So your stand, but your stand-up career started with you doing comedy songs or did you do stand-up and then add, started um, adding the music to it? So what I did was, um, so I'd done, uh, I went to Guildford School of Acting, which was um, very supportive of my songwriting, actually. I don't think all drama schools would have been like that, but mm. I was in a songs from the shows thing in my third year where everyone did songs from musicals and I was allowed to do one of my own songs. Oh, wow. And I did a comedy song in that called A Million Faces um, about the perfect guy. It was pretty hack stuff looking back, like um, he doesn't like Star Wars and stuff like that. But, you know, it was the best <laughs> I could do at the time. And um, uh, I lived with a French guy in my third year called Laurent Lafitte, who is actually now quite a famous French actor. Mm. All I remember about him is that he hated this leopard skin coat that I had. Um, but he was, he was, it was like, never I hate work. It was never going to work. He was gay as well. <laughs> there was that. But I mean, I could have turned him if he'd like leopard skin. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't want to have the last name Lafitte anyway, did you? Like, Lafitte. Yeah, Lafitte. Easy Lafitte. It was quite a good uh, cabaret name. <laughs> Lafitte. Yeah. Get your foot in the door. The, the, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, but I remember, so the night before I did A Million Faces at college, he said, um, try it in a French accent. And it lifted it, it changed it. And there was oh. something about doing, I can't really do a French accent brilliantly. So it was a slightly silly foreign accent. But somehow that 
uh, released the comedy element of it. It, it, it was odd. Um, and that went well. And that was the first time I'd got a laugh from a song that I'd written. And then I was allowed to do it in this songs and the shows thing. So I did it lots and lots. So when I graduated, I, um, I did the gay circuit for about a year. Um, I entered a, a comedy competition um, in a gay bar in Tottenham Hale uh, that I remember just being off a roundabout. It's called the Lee Paris Variety Bar. I don't know if it's still right, there. Right. Um, with original songs. Um, one was from the point of view of Jerry Halliwell's dog, who was um, <laughs> Jewish and from New York and hated her but couldn't talk. Um, so you kind of <laughs> saw inside her his head and the chorus was like, and the, the chords were quite jaunty, but he just spoke, I think. It wasn't sung. The chorus was, I don't like you, Jerry. I don't like you at all. There's something about, um, I just want to play with my ball. Um, so I did that. I had a song about Jordan, um, a lullaby for Jordan, now obviously known as Katie Price, just sort of saying, just chill out. Don't don't go out so much. <laughs> Have an early night. Um, oh, if, and, only, um, if only she'd listened to your if song. If only she'd been at the Lee Paris Variety Bar. Everything could have been so different. Um, so I won that competition and I won um, uh, £300 worth of gigs on the gay circuit. And it was lots of fun. There was some horrendous deaths. I'd sometimes get to venues and there was no mic stand. And one time we had to like gaffer tape the mic to my boobs, basically. And then I couldn't <laughs> sing anyway because it was like having to look down the whole time. It was a lot of fun, though. Like you never knew what you were going to get. I had some really, really lovely gigs and some truly awful ones. Like to absolute silence, I got booed off. You know, it was a real baptism of fire. And then I started doing open mic nights. But when I started doing open mic nights... I the problem was I couldn't talk between the songs. I'd do a song, they'd clap, and then I'd just be like, um, 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 and then I'd go on to the next song. So I thought I need to learn how to just be on stage yeah. and not do songs. So I didn't do songs for about the first year of doing like the open mic circuit that you find in Time Out and stuff, you know, like all those mm. little gigs we used to do above pubs, which was kind of a bit different from the the gay circuit that I've been doing much smaller venues and, and stuff like that. Um, and then I introduced the guitar after about a year and everyone was like, oh, that's what you should have been doing all along. <laughs> kind of like, you, you were never a brilliant uh, kind of political stand-up. I don't know what you were trying to do. Um, yeah. yeah, but it takes a long time to develop a stand-up comedy voice. I think, it does, I think my, yeah. You know, we talk about this on the show a lot because Mike Wilmot, who's the Canadian, you know, grandfather yeah. of Canadian comedy. Well, he'd hate that, but he's a granddad. Uh, <laughs> but, he, but he calls the guitar a cheat stick. And I and because purist comedians, A, they're jealous they can't do it. And then I'm just, you're just jealous you can't play the guitar anymore. Give me your guitar. He started playing it. <laughs> I mean, oh. he, could, he could play guitar if he wanted to. <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. They all can. Tom Stig yeah. does it. They all can play it. But, <clears throat> but I don't think it's fair because I think uh, this is part of the exploration of this podcast. You know, people like Billy Conley and Steve Martin and well, there's, you know, the names go on and on. Do you think there is a connection in the comedy musical brain? Do you think there's something in in that the way the way you approach your comedy? Do you write it as in? Is there a musicality to it? Um, I don't know. What I will say is, I haven't written a decent comedy song since I've had kids, and I think that's to do with not having the headspace. I think you use a different part of your brain to write any kind of song, including a comedy song, from what you'd use to write stand up straight stand up so I think I'm writing a new show now I did half an hour last night I'm really enjoying it with no songs this is the first time for since 2004 that I've been on stage without a guitar right um 
And I don't know why it just feels right to see if I can do an hour without it. You've done that as well, Phil, haven't you? You've done both. Like you, mm. And I think you've got to go with what you feel at the time. Um, and I think probably I'll end up putting a song or two in it. But what I was thinking was that before I had kids... I, when I wrote a comedy song, I used to need, and I don't know if you find this as well, like I used to need a real space, like maybe four or five hours, even though I didn't use that that whole time, um, most of the time. Uh, and it's almost like, I think with a song, it's more of a delicate process without getting to, like I think when I've written a comedy song and I think this is good, uh, and there've been plenty of times I've thought, I don't know if this is good or this is bad. But when you sort of feel it all coming together, it's almost writing itself. It's like, you, it's like you're the conduit. And I sometimes feel like that with songwriting. And since I've had kids, and I wouldn't change anything for the world, obviously, but I haven't had that, so that's mental space mm. uh, to be able to kind of give myself over to the songwriting. If that doesn't sound too wanky. No, it doesn't, no. Yeah, but in answer, and I think as they get older, that's when I'll come back into it and go, you know, like if when they're going to football all day or out with their mates, or I think I'll get that time back. And I'm just embracing this sort of this different bit of me. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to try and write an hour. I'm not going to, um, because I've ne- I hate the cheat stick thing in a way. Uh, well, I think you and I both know acts who we won't name who I sort of go, yeah, that's a lazy song, like that doesn't feel that doesn't feel like they're destined to play an instrument and do comedy songs. It feels like they've kind of tacked it on or they've, um, but m- most of the acts that I see doing songs, I think, you know, that's a great, that's a great bit of comedy. It doesn't, I don't think really about whether it's a song or not. Tom Basden is someone who's really good at putting jokes as songs yeah. So I don't know if you've heard his song about, um, it goes, I killed my friend by popping a champagne cork into his face. I think that's the first line. And it's so beautifully written. It's kind mm. of like very sombre and, and it's wonderful. But that could have been a joke. And he's kind of set the joke to music. Mm. Um, and Tim Minchin as well is someone who I think music, uses music so beautifully and takes you on an emotional journey as well as a comedic one. Yeah, he he yeah. gave us some tickets to his live show and I went and sat with my brother and we were just bawling our eyes out. <laughs> so <laughs> best comedy gig ever. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. If someone said to you guys, write a song about anything. The deadline is Friday. It can be about anything. You'd be like, oh, okay, what am I going to write about? Whereas if someone said, it's got to be about an awards ceremony that goes wrong, you'd be like, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the same way, when you're writing a show, uh, and that's why writing songs, I think, is hard when you just think, oh my God, I could write about anything. Once you get even small, even vague parameters, you can go, oh, okay, it's going to be about my family, therefore. So it's getting that balance. So here's, 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 because, you know, I do, I do a little, the odd bit of direction for people. And I come come up against this problem with people all the time is that they, then if, if you're, you say, it could be about my family. And then every single thing is about their family. 
it's that's not yeah. as interesting as if it's about them and, and then it ends up being about their family yeah. so you could start talking about the similar to the uh, tom bazin talking about the, the cork and killing his friend he's probably gone off he that song probably goes off into other reaches of what that friendship was it circles around the coming back to that idea so yeah. you actually forget the show is about your family so it goes takes you to a place so when you're coming up with ideas and fleshing out ideas you you might i make a list of all the ideas that i've had and actually that's got nothing to do with this topic but i'm going to keep that one in here because i think that's i'm, I'm going to find the way of joining it without crowbarring it in yeah. and i find the way of yeah. joining it making that work and then going oh but i mean that's just stylistically what i do i go oh anyway we're talking about this and then i go back to i digress and digress and digress and i just but think that's it, nice because i think mm. that's like weaving that's what i because i've never written a show which has i've always written a show that has a narrative so it's yeah. always coming back to a story of what happened next yes. so it's a kind of new thing for me to go I'm literally going on stage and going, right, I'm going to talk about the Ouija board. Then I'm going to talk about this present that my mum wanted. She's all right. Then I'm going to, and and it's like, it's kind of a weird thing for me. I'm like, oh, but what's the story? What? And it's like, there is no story just to roll with it. I'm having to roll with it. Yeah, Yeah. but that is the story. You know, what you just said there, you just, you don't, we we followed all of that and there doesn't need to be a, uh, the join is just that it's you. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I did one half hour at the at the end of every bit of material. I was like, uh, speaking of Ouija boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of Ouija boards. <laughs> Just like, you don't need to do that when yeah, you're exactly. doing Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, yeah. So um, uh, you, you said you said that you haven't, haven't, written a, haven't written a new song um, in a while. But, yes. Um, surely, surely now, having two kids, you've got plenty and plenty of ammo. To, yeah, you'd to, think yeah, so, you'd but think I, that. I don't really talk. So we don't really talk about the kids that. So I liked. So I talk about my daughter a little bit in this new show, but generally, I don't know why we just don't talk about the kids. That I sort of we don't put any photos of them online. I sort of feel like it's like up to them whether. And sometimes I feel really bad for like basically like oh, bloody hell my kids you know because <laughs> they're, they're cool so I've got to kind of I guess I've just got to realize that they're material everything's material stop being so sentimental <laughs> do an hour about how annoying they are um but no I I like yeah you'd think so but I think it's got to be I always think about when I used to go and see comics before I had kids it's got to be funny I think it's it can't just be funny to people with kids yeah. So it's like if you did a show about um, if you did a song about, um, I don't know, maybe like abseiling or something. And there were loads of jokes about um, like, hey, guys, isn't it awful when the I don't know any of the technical <laughs> terms. What are, those, <laughs> what are those things called? The metal things? That, right, right. I, know, I was going to go with the repelling bra- joke. Brackets. Yeah, I don't know. Don't you yeah. hate it when you're Brackets, repelling? Yeah. And yeah, you're, yeah, 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 that's it. We should write it together. Um, but yeah, like um, we'll call it repellent. This is a really good yeah, song repellent. already. Uh, let's yeah. write a song about abseiling, despite not knowing anything about abseiling. What, what, what could you do with those gigs? I think it's quite a good litmus test. Like, um, and a song, a song about a specialised thing like abseiling, say where there were lots of in jokes, and you'd get like three abseilers in the room pissing themselves laughing, yeah, and the rest yeah. of the room is going like, "What the fuck is a carabiner?" And I sort of feel like the same about the kid thing. I don't think it can't be done, but I haven't thought of anything that I feel would appeal to the whole room, and I don't want to ostracise anyone who hasn't got kids because I don't want to be them to be sitting there bored for three minutes. Um, I guess when it's a show, if you go, "I've got an hour," it's all about kids. 
people are going to come to it because of that so it's different but I guess I'm thinking if you're doing 20 minutes or a charity gig or something or yeah. you know yeah I think that's why a lot of comedy songs not all comedy songs but a lot of comedy songs if they're not if you're not specialist to the audience the performer like the performer's audience they they do tend to work better if they're scatological multi-violent uh naughty uh, yeah. uh, or topical you know yeah or, or that's doing, true or there's like a clear pullback and reveal or like yeah. they need to understand quite soon don't they that, yeah. that this is what it is it can't yeah. really be you're right there's such a big difference between going on on a mixed bill where you know people don't know who you are or some people might have seen you before some people haven't and going on and doing your own show and obviously I much prefer the latter which I'm sure you guys do as well like you know going on where people have seen you before or they understand what it is you do because then you can go deep and you can talk about and Phil I've seen you do like bits that are emotional and funny and bits that you know when you've done your hour-long shows it's you know you you can afford to do that in an hour can't you you can go deep and you can have those moments of like pathos true pathos and then you can puncture it with a joke and you can really play around with it and that's what's really exciting about doing your own show I think well I hope that your new show becomes all those things thanks um, me too and, I, and I, I hope that you don't don't that you don't stop writing songs as well I won't because... don't worry I won't. okay good I, yeah. think you should end, I think you should end the show with bagpipes Oh my Don't do God. that. Just saying. Don't do that. People will leave. No. Well, 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 that's what you want them to do at the end of a show. Yeah, exactly. You could do it if you, like, the, the venue's like, we cannot run over, like, the curfew. <laughs> Stop letting the bag Actually, out. the minute you pick them up, people will stand. And... <laughs> Not in Scotland, though. It'd be the opposite in no, Scotland. Exactly. Yeah, so you could oh, do well. it everywhere but Edinburgh. If you don't yeah. win the Edinburgh Comedy Prize for that, I'll be angry. <laughs> yeah. now, at this point, at this point in, in the uh, proceedings, we always ask our guests to play a little song for us and do a, a little performance for us. A little performance. That sounds so condescending. Can you do a little performance for us? But um, we were wondering if you would, um, yeah. if you would mind singing. Of course. I'm just going to find my capo. Um, it would be really good if we ended with a recording of the bagpipes as if I'd played them, but I will actually do a song. <laughs> actually, um, I might do that now. Yeah, put it on. One. So put the bagpipes on while I'm finding the capo. You do realise that's racist. <laughs> David, that's, it's not that's racist. racist. We've just lost all of our Scottish view, uh, listener. That is not. It is not racist to 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 mock a bagpipe. Okay, then it was cultural appropriation. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> when this interview's over, we're having a we're having a chat. Okay. <laughs> what what is it that you'll be playing for us today? I think when I did your gig, I did the jazz song, which I haven't done for years. So I was like, I've got a band here and I feel like doing it. Um, but I finished on the Welsh song, which is probably um, the one I'm going to do now. So um, my mum, uh, my mum played me to sleep every single night when I was growing up with uh, Beethoven or Bach arc normally and um, she was doing her grade eight piano she was a piano teacher and um i used to go to sleep i used to say my prayers and i used to say um p p p r p c p v which stood for play the piano play the recorder play the cello play the violin they were the instruments we had in the house um and she always used to play the piano so every single night i had my bedroom door open she had the door open to the room with the piano in it and she i think it was a nice way to 
to go to sleep. Yeah. It's when yeah. she goes into the ring trilogy, it might start to be a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So we went to see the ring trilogy for her 70th. Jesus Christ. And I had a really bad hangover. Like I, I started, I did not start from a neutral position. Um, I started with a deficit of everything. And um, we, oh my God, I didn't realise how long it was. And it was, wasn't even the whole thing, but it was still yeah. like five hours. And a woman on our row uh suddenly there was this commotion on the row and everyone was like oh, oh, like call the staff everyone thought this woman had died no one could wake her and she was just in a really deep sleep she did this massive snore and uh, everyone realized she'd just fallen asleep <laughs> it's like so long yeah yeah that yeah. could be a song don't go and see the ring cycle with a hangover there you go and it, it it's, it's, it's ready for you you've yeah. got the guitar ready okay. i'll do it i'll so. do it after this um, <laughs> it's your fault if i don't go for a run every morning this week i said i'm gonna go for a run there's always a fucking reason why i don't go <laughs> like, sorry i had to write a song about the ring sorry. cycle <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, so this is so ellis is welsh um my partner um, we've been together for 10 years now, um, but Welsh is his first language and it's the Welsh culture is very important to him and the language. So I am learning Welsh. This is a song that I've written for him, really. Um, and the only other language that I can speak is French. And the only thing I can remember in French is Jeju le ping pong à la Rochelle. Um, which is I play table tennis in La Rochelle, which in this country is like the stock phrase that everyone learns, Phil. I don't know about Canada, but um, it's just like that's all I came away from um, from school knowing. So I'm hoping that my Welsh fares a little bit better. So here's the Welsh song. Translate it in case you don't know what it means. I went, you went, he, she went. We went, you went, formal, they went. Caris went to the town centre for lunch, she had cheese. <laughs> I have one sister I like swimming Whoa, I play table tennis Where I can't remember Dwi'n chwarae denis bwrdd In 
Suti here on Songs in the Key of Laugh. Thank you so much, Izzy. Suti. Thanks, Izzy. Oh my God, I've loved it. It's yeah. been like we're having a coffee with old friends. So much fun. Well, yeah. we are. I had a coffee. We are. I, I did have I a tea. I had a tea. <laughs> I did have one, but Phil's used it to, to, to lean up his notes, so uh, I didn't drink it. <laughs> so you didn't drink it. Oh, you have to put it in the microwave. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> thank you so so much Izzy that was so wonderful yeah. oh you're welcome I've really enjoyed it and thanks it's made me think about my show it's good to talk about it, it when you're writing it isn't it yeah you know you're going to have bagpipes you know you're going to talk about your family yeah um, you're going to write a song about uh, you're, not you're, going to the opera abseiling. with a hang- oh, yeah, yeah don't go to go, the ring uh, cycle with a hangover yeah, with the hangover yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, write yeah. a song about your kids vomiting. You know, it's just yeah. the norm. Yeah, Why the not? norm. It's yeah. like it end up being an hour of songs after and, yeah. all this. To Alice, tell Alice he did a great job tuning the guitar as well. I will. He did actually, didn't he? I will. I will. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah. Thanks, Izzy. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Adios. Farewell. You'll be glad to hear that we think that your interview went well. But we have other things to get on with now, so you're going to have to go. I'm sure our paths will cross again, but whoever really knows. It's been fun. It's been musical. It's been comical at times. But now we have to leave you, so goodbye. Goodbye. What an amazing guest yes, Izzy was. She's such a sweetheart. And that song is phenomenal. And foreign language. Absolutely. Which ties the whole thing up. If you'd like to hear more or see more of Izzy Suti, why not follow her on Twitter at Izzy Suti? And don't forget to read her book, Jane Is Trying. And make sure that you donate some money to David's South African charity, Sing in Changa. And you can do that at singinchanga.org. And if you'd like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash songs the key of laugh or coffee.com forward slash songs the key of laugh. Thanks, guys. We will see you next week for more of the same on Songs the Key of Laugh with me, Phil Nickel. And me, David Timms. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.